Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. I'm very excited today to introduce our speaker to you. Um, I like her quite a bit. No, I love her a lot, and um, it's uh, just a great honor to be able to introduce her as we conclude this series on You Asked For It. Uh, I couldn't think of anyone better to talk about this subject, and for a number of reasons. She says, I don't preach often. I'm like, you have me and four kids. You preach every day. I mean, you, you ought to be, like, amazing at this preaching thing. Uh, and she does a great job answering this question on how to deal with stress today. Would you guys join me and make my wife feel welcome, Pastor Karen Dingus? Love you. Thank you, thank you. You guys can have a seat. Good morning. I'm glad to see you. 8.30 was quiet. I need a little more feedback than that. So if you guys can just be like crazy loud, just scream out in the middle of it. I love it. We're, uh, I'm, no, I'm just kidding. Don't scream out unless you love it. If you love it, then you can scream out. It won't bother me. I have four kids. I'm used to someone screaming about something in the middle of everything we do. Um, we're at week three of You Asked For It. I'm Pastor Karen. I oversee groups here, and I'm much better at that than this preaching thing, but today you get me. So this is what it's about. We're going to talk a little bit about a topic that I understand some things about. We're dealing with how to deal with stress. Fun, right? That's the one I got. Some people get other fun topics. I got stress, but I'm very, very much okay with it this week because I'm going to explain a little bit about why this is a good topic for me this week. Last week, Chad and I were traveling. You may have seen some pictures on social media. Chad spoke at a conference in Tampa, and uh, I got to go with him. Typically, I don't, but it worked out that I was able to. We scheduled it and had someone to watch all four of our beautiful babies, and um, they, the boys would not like it that I called them babies, um, but all of them, and so we got to go, get away and everything. So we were on the plane on the way down, and Chad begins to talk about houses, now, this is a topic I typically love because I really want to build my dream house. If you have a Pinterest board with your dream house stuff, I have probably viewed it because I love to look at all that stuff. So I have in my mind this ideal home for us. Well, we're building a $3.2 million church over here to the side, if you hadn't noticed, the steel and stuff. And that's kind of consumed our build load. That's all we can do right now. Like I, we, I don't think we could tolerate it and stay married. And you probably want your pastors to stay married. That's typically a good thing. So um, because of that, we've not done it. And so like we keep putting it off. So anyway, Chad's talking about houses and he does this sometimes sporadically and then it leaves completely. So I feel like he was just going to just kind of talk about it. I'm actually on the plane reading a book or something, not even really paying attention to him. And he's talking about these houses. He's showing me pictures and I'm like, okay, okay. Thinking we're not going to. And I've seen them all because I know everything that's on the MLS all the time. All the time. I always know. I like houses. I know what's for sale around our area. And there's usually not one with enough bedrooms for all of my people. So I know those. And I can't usually afford the ones that do have enough bedrooms for all of my people. Um, it's bad when you're critiquing houses that are like $4 million. I'm like, I don't know about those cabinets. Like, well, good, because you can't afford it, Karen, you know? Like, yeah, so that's where we're. So anyway, he decides he's going to make appointments to see houses. And I'm like, 
I'm still kind of in doubt that he's even going to pursue this. And so I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, can you do this? I'm like, yeah. And I'm actually not really paying attention to the time I agreed to. And he's messaging the realtor, like setting up an appointment. He's like, okay, we're going to see it on that. And then I finally stop long enough to pay attention to it and realize, wait, I got stuff going on next week. It's really busy, which was this week that we just came through. One kid had a play. Two of them had field trips. I had a hair appointment on top of work because I'm preaching this week. Um, and then I also had a very, very important one, uh, you know, meeting. And this joke fell completely flat in the first service. So if you could laugh, I would love it. Anyway, the most important one is that my dentist decided I had finally earned a crown. I know. (laughs) See, you all are awake. I love coffee people. The caffeine kicked in by now. Anyway, I I completely agree with her. That was my most important one. I was like, no, I can't make your realtor appointment because I'm getting a crown. And so I can't be there. So anyway, he moved it. Again, he's still on board with this. He moved it again. So we went to look at some houses. So there were two set up. Went to the first one, liked a lot of it, not everything, you know how you are. And we went to the second one, liked a lot of it, but didn't like most of certain parts. Okay, so anyway, we're standing there in the hallway, and this is when you would normally go home as a couple, right? And discuss what you saw. Maybe, maybe not, you'll go back, you'll call, whatever. No, no. Mr. Dingus, your pastor, decides at that moment he's going to put in an offer on the first house as we're standing there. We have not discussed this. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. He's like, oh, yeah, like later we had a discussion. In the car, there were tears, and I was like, what do you mean? Because not only did he put in the offer and all that stuff that she's going to go right up, then they decided when they were coming to my house to view it, because we have to put it on the market, we can't afford two homes. So, you know, we have to sell the other one in order to move into this one. So then I have to have my house ready to be shown to people, and then they're, like, setting up appointments for photographers and construction people are coming in, and I basically understood some stress this week. So I feel very adequate to speak to this topic. Not that I've mastered it, just that I've lived it this week. So if you've gone through a stressful week, I can relate. If right now you're sitting there thinking, if your biggest problem is your husband wants to buy you a bigger house, then you're mad at me right now. You probably aren't going to hear any of this, and that's okay too, because that's not what it's about. I promise you. It's not, don't, I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me. I'm just saying I was stressed, because you should see our closets. It's not something that we photograph often, and <laughs> Maybe you photograph yours. They're, pre- they're pretty and ready for that. Ours are not. I had to prepare them for that. So, <sighs> Anyway, stress. It's not easy. Philippians 4, 6 through 13. We're going to go there first. It says, if you do these things, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts quiet and your heart at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. That sounds so pretty. I need to operate in that a little more. If you do these things, you will experience God's peace. Who wants God's peace? Anybody in this room? Okay, I can't see a whole lot because of these lights, but I'm assuming that all of you raised your hands. So we need to, in order to have God's peace, we have to figure out how to keep from stressing out. Step number one, if you want to keep from stressing out, refuse to worry about anything. That's a bold prayer right there, like, whoo, I'm not going to worry about anything. Not dinner, not the power bill, not my coworkers, not anything. In Philippians 4 and 6, it says, never worry about anything. Jesus, he said some things about worry. I'm going to go through them with you. We're going to talk about them. He said, worry is unreasonable. Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? All this is in Matthew. He next said, worry is unnatural. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
And he says worry is unhelpful. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And he says worry is unnecessary. If God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? And it says, oh, you of little faith. Or, oh, you, Karen. <laughs> Won't he so e most surely care for you? You can add your name in there if you're one who might be a little stressed out this week. If you're not and you're a perfect saint, then you can leave it, oh, you of Karen. <laughs> and then you'll think of me. And maybe you'll pray for me and my stress will be lessened. I'd love that. But it, it says... How do you keep, or my notes say, how do I keep from stressing out? If you want to keep from stressing out, you refuse to worry about anything. And that's bold. You know, it's, 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 in order to do those things, you have to experience God's peace. You have to have a peace that passes all understanding. I went to New York a couple weeks ago because my husband got up here and preached a message about you're not the CEO of the world, lay it down. And I hadn't had a break in a while, so I took off and went to New York. Because he said to, you know, he said it, the world could go on without me. And I said, you know what, you're right. So I made dinner, and I put dinner for the next day in the crock pot, and then I got in the car and left. Y'all ever done that? No. I'm a little wild like that. So anyway, I get to New York late that evening because I've prepared dinner and then the next dinner. And so by the time I got out of the house and everything, it was kind of spontaneous. I get to New York roughly 1.30 in the morning. Now, I love New York. I go there frequently, know the ins and outs of the city. So it's not uncommon for me to be in the city at 1 o'clock in the morning, you know, just kind of around. So I wasn't nervous or anything. But I didn't want to pay to have the car valeted because it was like stupid amount of money. 20 bucks more than I'm going to pay the regular way, but I didn't want to do it. So I decide I'm going to find a parking garage. So she tells me about one. Well, I go and buzz the door thing. She's like, they're there 24 hours. Don't worry. They'll come. So I'm like, you know, busy. It's not, it's not busy. It's not busy at all. It's the middle of the night in New York. And it's not that there's nobody out because there is, but it's not super busy on this street that I'm on. So I go there. I buzz. Nobody comes. Nobody. So I have to end up. I buzz again. Nobody comes. And I go over about, I don't know, four blocks or so. And I find a parking garage. This is actually like the third one. I went, it took me about an hour to find a parking garage that somebody would come to the door and meet me. So this one was booming. This guy was busy, and I was like, whoo, okay, great. So I give him my car, tell him to park it, keep it safe, all that good stuff. I go down through the elevator up to the street level to get back to go towards my hotel. So at this point, it's roughly 2.30 in the morning. And I'm on the street at New York, and I'm just there by myself. There's homeless people. There's other people who probably don't have the best of intentions or anything like that. There's some cabs driving. I'm like, hmm. Didn't even phase me. Like, just peace. I'm, I'm at peace, completely at peace in that situation. That's weird for some people. I actually told my girlfriend, we have a trip coming up. My best friend, she's like an adrenaline junkie. BJ, if you're watching, I'm talking about you. Anyway, she wants to do fun things like trapeze classes when we go on trips. You know, that's what normal almost 40-year-old women do. They go do the trapeze class. They've never done it before. So she's planning these things, and I was talking about it. She was trying to find these things that do adrenaline. I was like, I don't think I have that adrenaline push anymore. And I was explaining this story. I was like, I should probably have been afraid at that moment. Like, I should have probably called Uber or gotten a cab or something. And I was like, hmm, no. Just kind of pulled my jacket a little bit tighter, and I walked the four blocks in peace. I wasn't afraid. And I think it's partly because I've been on the other side of the world and I faced really bad, scary things. And so I was in peace. But I know that that peace doesn't come from me. It comes from God. And so when you've gone through hard things, you may be going through hard things right now. I want you to know 
that on the other side of it, you may end up being a person who is not moved by typical stuff that scares everybody else, and that's a good thing. So um, I, I just want to point that out. When you have the peace that passes all understanding, then you're a, it's a lot easier to, to not stress out, to refuse to worry about anything. So it still makes me a little stressed out about houses and stuff like that. But it gives you the ability to refuse to worry about anything because you're like, how do I get there? That's a big step, Karen. Um, if you want to keep from worrying about anything, there's some things that God said that are probably more powerful than anything I can say. But he says in the 4 and 16, never worry about anything. So we know he's saying it. Um, but what about cancer? What about divorce? What about death? What about, what about, what about? You, everybody in here would have something that would say, but what about this? Is this not something that I should worry about? Jesus says about worry that it's unreasonable, it's illogical, uh, and it doesn't make any sense. So whatever that is that's in your mind, I need you to go back to the first thought there that says never worry about anything. He was clear. He's saying it's unreasonable because worry exaggerates the problem. Stressing out exaggerated. It doesn't help. It doesn't work. We do it, but it's, it's not helpful. It's unreasonable. He says it's unnatural to worry. You weren't born with it. You didn't come out of the womb worrying about where your milk was going to come from. None of you. None of you did that. Not one. None of my kids came out of the womb saying, where are we going to get that milk, Mom? Not one. I, I can't even get some of mine to talk for like years later. Oh, y'all, I'm not, so I, they definitely didn't ask me where the milk was coming from. We always have to worry, worry about speech in our house. We have to get them there, um, which is surprising considering how much I talk, right? Yeah, there are no... <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Um, there are no born worriers. You might think that you are, but you're not. You're, you weren't a born worrier. You learned it. Worry is a learned behavior. The good news is that if you learned to worry, you can learn to not. So I want you to, to think about that. There, some of you are such pros at worrying, you can't imagine not doing it. You practice it so much, you could have a Ph.D. in worrying. If there was an Olympics, you'd all get tens across the board at worrying. But it's not natural. And you picked it up from someone else. You shouldn't send them a thank you card. That's a bad, bad thing to pick up. We pick up bad habits from people sometimes, and, and that's one of them. Um, it talks about, in Matthew, we, we read the scriptures about how, you know, God takes care of the birds of the air. They don't stress out over things. They don't sow or reap, but yet they're taken care of. In 28 and 29, it says, why do you worry about clothes? Look at the lilies of the field. They don't worry about theirs. And King Solomon, in all of his glory, never clothed as beautifully as they are. He takes care of us. Uh, he's saying in this verse, in all of God's creation, in the entire universe... The plants don't worry. The animals don't worry. The only people who worry are humans. We are the only thing that God made that doesn't trust him. Gosh, isn't that sad? Like, I need to be like, I need a moment to like go pray. Because I, this week, I have worried about things. And that's not trusting in God. That's not trusting in him. And he created me. And I should trust him more. Um, so I don't know if we ever get to a place where we... Don't have to worry about, not worry, we don't have to work on trusting him. Because there's always the ability 
or the decision could be there to decide to live in fear, to live in stress, to live in worry. And we have to overcome that. Um, it's unnatural, and it's also unhealthy. Uh, your body wasn't designed to handle worry. Doctors say a lot of people could leave the hospital today if they knew how to get rid of guilt, resentment, and worry, because that's what puts most people in the hospital. Proverbs uh, 12 and 25 says, An anxious heart weighs a man down. It's not so much what you eat in life that makes you sick sometimes. It's what's eating at you. The word worry actually comes from an old English word, which means to strangle or to choke. That stress is choking the life out of you. And more than that, it's choking the life out of your family members that live life with you, your coworkers that live life with you. It's choking them. Because the more stressed I am, I can see it in my kids. They feel it. They pick up on that. They may not know exactly what's going on, but they know that mama is stressed. And they'll start saying things like, are you okay, mommy? Can I help you with something? And these are not things my children typically, you know, are saying to me, especially Elijah. So I can tell my stress level by whether Eli's asking me, can I help you? Because <laughs> you're freaking me out. You know, that's what he's saying. You know, I, I, so people read you. They start, you're stressing them. You're choking them. You want to be healthier, you got to stop worrying. The third thing Jesus says is it's unhelpful to worry. Um, it's like a rocking chair. You do a lot of moving Put some effort towards it, but you don't really go anywhere. Anybody ever took their rocking chair to Walmart? No, it's not, it's not how you're going to, you're not moving anywhere with it. And, and worry doesn't, doesn't change anything. You don't go anywhere with it. It's unnecessary. Don't you think I'm going to take care of you is what I feel God would say when I'm worrying. Don't you? Don't you trust me? This is very unnecessary, Karen. Like, there's other things you could be worried about or work, working towards. This is not, worrying is not helping you at all. If God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and then they're cut down by a mower or they blow away the next day, he, won't he most surely care for us, his creation? Refuse to worry about anything. It's tough, but it's very biblical. So if you're not doing that, it's a way to grow in discipleship. You may think, oh, I know all the books of the Bible, but you're stressed out every day. You're not growing closer to God if you don't trust him. So it just, it's, and I say this not from a place of a podium where I'm like, I've got it all mastered. I don't. So I'm not saying it from that. I'm saying it as a friend to you. This is something we all need to work on. It will make us healthier. It will make us closer to Christ. Um, 1 Peter 5 and 7 says, unload all your worries on God since he's looking after you. Unloading our worries happens here often in the altar or maybe in your seat. But it can happen all week long. Maybe you're young in Christianity and you don't really understand that. You know the atmosphere here feels very good on Sundays. But then you end up carrying that weight all week long because you don't know how to manage it. Without this atmosphere, go to him in prayer. Unload it to him. Sometimes we, I should say, all of us that are healthy Christians are doing that every day. You're not weak or, or a bad Christian if you have to go to him and unload this stuff. That's normal. Okay, it's not a one-time pray and then you're, you're healthy forever and never have anything to worry about. That's not true. You come, you bring it to him, and when that fear and that worry and that stress starts seeping back, creeping back into your life, you can talk to God about it. It doesn't have to be just in this atmosphere. I feel like Monday through Saturday, a lot of people are, are, are living a very unhealthy existence with stress. Step two, uh, you talk to God about everything. So we, uh, we, 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 
you, <laughs> we talked a little bit about refusing to worry about anything. That was step one. And then you talk to God about everything. And that kind of intersected the two. But stop talking to yourself about all the stuff that's stressing you out and start talking to God. Talking to yourself won't do anything. Sometimes talking to your best friend won't do anything. I don't know them. Maybe they're wise. Maybe they're not. That doesn't mean they're a bad friend. I mean, but we don't get all of our wisdom from other people. And we definitely don't get it from ourselves. I'm nothing without God. So talking to myself does no good. But talking to God changes things. He says uh, to talk to him about everything. In uh, Philippians 4 and 16, it says, Never worry about anything. Instead, in every situation, let God know what you need in prayer and in your request. It's not your job to figure out how God's going to do it. It's your job to ask. My kids come to me with requests all the time for things. You know, they just want stuff. You know, anybody got kids that ask for stuff around here? Nobody? You all, please tell me how I can prevent them from asking me for things. No, I'm just joking. Um, but they do, and it doesn't matter what it is. They don't really, the boys are starting to conceptualize money a little bit more, but like it's, you know, they just think you, you know, ask and mommy makes it happen. And I've created that trust level because I do usually make it happen. That's a good thing for most parts. And in reference to this, this message, it is a good thing. They've learned they can trust me. If they ask me, I'm going to make it happen. And we need to learn to trust God. If we ask him, he's faithful to make it happen. So don't worry about the hows. Just be faithful in asking. When you worry instead of asking, you're acting like an atheist. Worry is practical atheism. It's what it is. It's acting like you don't have a heavenly father in your life. It's acting like God doesn't exist, that you're a spiritual orphan out there all by yourself. It's practical atheism. I think most of us would be hesitant to put on a bumper sticker that you're an atheist and drive out of here or drive in here. I guess that'd be maybe a little more awkward <laughs> coming to church as an atheist every week. But that's what we're portraying. That's what we're showing the world. They may hear you say every now and again, Oh, God is amazing. He can do this in your life. But as soon as something goes awry in yours, instead of speaking that same faith, all they see of Christ in you is a bunch of stress, a bunch of worry. No, it's okay. You don't have to amen me. I know it's good. James 4 and 2, You do not have because you do not ask. We need to worry less and we need to ask more. Romans 8 and 2 says, Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave, up him, gave him up for all of us, won't he who gives us Christ also give us everything we need? We need to learn to ask. The third thing he tells us to do is to thank God in all things. And you're like, well, I do that. I thank God all the time. You know, I bless my food and all those things. But it's more than that. It doesn't say thank God for all things because there's a lot of things you shouldn't be thankful for there's pain in the world there's cancer there's disease people die you don't have to thank God that people died I mean even though sometimes it is a relief to health ailments that they're suffering with but it says in all things give thanks in all things give thanks which means even in the bad times I can find something good Philippians 4 and 6 says, he says, worry about nothing. Then he says, when you ask God for what you need, also thank him for all that he's done. Always ask with a thankful heart. 
So we've got to talk to God. We've got to talk about the things that we're appreciative of. We've got to be thankful for him. And this removes the stress because we're not focused on whatever it is that we feel is going wrong or not going our way or that God hasn't moved upon. We need to stop. And so if you don't have a, a journal or any place where you write down answered prayers or you don't write down the things that you're thankful for, you should do that this week. Because sometimes in the hard moments, it's hard for us to come up with stuff. We're like, oh, thank you, God, for these kids. <sighs> All of them. And that spouse you gave me, you know. Some days we have to work a little bit harder to think about the things we're thankful for and go back and see the things that God has moved and done in our lives. Uh, the more you build gratitude in your life, the more happy and the more healthy you're going to be. Gratitude is one of the remedies for depression. It's one of the things that changes our focus off of us. I think that's one of the reasons I told the, the crowd at 830, I think it's one of the reasons we're so happy on Sunday is because we're here and we're serving. We're focused on others. And then the rest of the week we're focused on us and then we're miserable. Like, Scream at people in cars and traffic and mad at your kids and mad at your spouse. You don't like your coworkers. You hate that job God gave you. Everything. That's not you all, right? That's just my car and my house and my... I like my coworkers. Y'all didn't even laugh. That was funny. Like, y'all, shoo. Went right past you. But gratitude is one of the remedies for depression. We need to be thankful. We need to have a heart and a mind and a mouth that speaks thankfulness. Because you can say, oh, I'm thankful inside. But if you never say it and all, you ever, all, the, all the witnesses around you only ever hear the stressful comments and not the thankful ones, they might doubt how thankful you are. That's the third step for stress reduction. And that's what we're talking about, being thankful and thanking God for all things. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18 says, in everything. doesn't say in most things. It says in everything, not for but in everything, give thanks for that. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I want you to write that scripture down this week. I want you to put it out there because I feel like that's a key thing that we're not doing because I see a lot of stressed out people in the world. I see a lot of stressed out Facebook posts. Yeah, yeah, I see it. <laughs> and I think we need to remember that there is a remedy for that. God gave us the opportunity by scriptures, he knew us well enough to anticipate that that was going to be a problem for us. That stress management was something we needed to know what to do with. And so he wrote us some, some, some scriptures down to talk about it. Number four in the, in the list, it says, I think about good things. So it's not just about thinking, being thankful. It's also about what we think about, the good things. The stress isn't out there. It's in here. It's inside. It's between your ears. The battle is in your brain. We want to blame it on people or situations or if I made more money or if that person would get out of my life. But it's in your thought life is where stress is. It's in your mind. Your war with stress is won or lost right up here. What you fill your mind with will determine the level of stress in your life. And I'm getting ready to preach a little bit. You might not like me as well after this, and that's okay. Lots of people have left this church and not liked me before, and God still leaves me here. So it'll be all right. If you want peace of mind, you're going to have to start controlling what you allow in it. Most people let their mind just be a freeway. Anything go. Come through. You fill your mind with poison and garbage and stuff and all sorts of things. It's kind of like a computer. What goes in is what comes out. 
Whatever you put in your mind is going to come out in your life. And you're like, well, Karen, I'm great. I'm doing, okay, wonderful. Let's talk. So, they, so, so maybe you go to a movie. You're like, oh, we've gone old school Pentecostal. She's talking about movies. Next, she's going to talk about TV and evil stuff, right? Well, let's talk about it for a little bit. I'm not opposed to going to the movies. I'm not opposed to watching a show if that's what you know, relaxes you. But I think we have to think about what we're focusing on because what goes in is what comes out. When you watch shows that you probably shouldn't watch, they're not uplifting, they're not strengthening you, they're not putting you at peace. When you read novels, same way, it's, we're inputting things, we're inputting things. When you listen to gossip that you shouldn't listen to and it goes in and it stays in, when you let just anything in your mind, it pollutes it. Now, we worry a lot in our culture about water pollution, air pollution, food pollution. You could tell me probably any mama that's shopping knows the dirty dozen, what we're supposed to not, you know, let them eat without we clean special. We know about pollution. But we're not worried about mind pollution. But that's the most serious pollution that there is. What we put in stays here and it changes us. Now, you would be hard-pressed for me, or I, any of us. We'll just use me, because it's not you. You're very, very holy. But if I were to invite someone over and say, kill 19 people in my living room, you would think that's odd. If I sat back with some popcorn and some snow caps, and that's how I enjoyed myself on a Friday night, that would be odd. Very odd. If that was what I enjoyed doing with my mind on Friday night. But we think nothing about going and watching a movie where that exact same thing happens. We pay to do it. Now, is every movie bad and is Pastor Karen one of those people? No. You'd be hard-pressed to find someone who's more chill about the things of life. There have been great, great movies in the last year that have came out that are Christian-based, and they're wonderful, and, and that, those are great. I haven't been to a movie in a long, long time. I don't watch TV anymore because I don't have time. It's not because I don't like to relax. If Nicholas Sparks is on there and it's great, I mean, I'm yeah, we're cool. Like, I love that kind of stuff if I have time. But we need to think about what we're doing. When we're more focused on watching an episode of Walking Dead than getting the small group, then there's our problem. Amen. There's a good stress reduction plan. Maybe surround yourself with a cloud of witnesses that can strengthen you, that can lift you up, that can remind you why you love your husband, why you love your wife, why you should stay married, and how expensive it's going to be if you're not. Come on. There are some good reasons to have people around you that remind you and give you wisdom. And that they don't pollute your brain the whole two hours while you're paying for this garbage. I, I want us to know that if we really want to reduce stress in our lives, we have to do some things. We have to be accountable for the stress that we put into our lives. Thank you. Philippians 4 and 18 says, Fill your mind with those things that are true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and beautiful and respected. If anything is excellent, if anything is worthy of honor, think about those things. It's very important what we put in up here. I'm not saying that because I'm trying to stifle your creativity or ruin your life or anything like that. I hope that's not how you take that. I'm saying that because... Suicide happens because people are stressed out. 
And if nobody ever told you that maybe you should alleviate that from your life and add some of this to your life to get rid of that stress, so that takes that risk of suicide off of you, the risk of you ending up in a divorce off of you, that's what, I'm, that's what I feel passionate about doing is to give that sort of thing. So I, I'm not trying to stifle anybody or, or put a list of rules and expectations. If I see you at the movie theater, I'm not thinking bad thoughts about anybody. But I'm thinking that we need to be intentional about what we put into our minds. And that's it. So I hope that you can walk away and still know that. If, is it true? Is it good? Is it pure? Read over that. When you find yourself in this in the stressed out situation, read over that. You would never invite somebody in to, to do some of those things inside of your world any other, in other capacities, but we do it all the time for enjoyment. And Isaiah says, you, you, Lord, will keep in perfect peace. You will keep us in perfect peace. Who wants to live in perfect peace around here? We, we all would. We'd like to be less stressed out. We'd love, love to have more trust in God, more peace in God. If you fix your thoughts on God, he says, I will keep you in perfect peace. What you think about is going to determine how stressed and how worried you are. If you look at the world, we'll be in distress. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you will be at rest. I didn't come up with that. But it's good. It all depends on what you have your eyes on. And number five, be content with anything. This is the fifth key to living a reduced stress life. God says if you do these things, you'll have God's peace in your life. And contentment does not mean no ambition. You know, it's not like I'm just chilled out. I don't have any goals. No, please have a goal. If not, we'll have a whole other sermon topic that we need to talk about. It's, contentment is not laziness. It's not apathy. It's not complacency. It's not lacking ambition. It's enjoying what I have right now rather than waiting for something else to happen in order for me to be happy. I could become delusional enough to believe that the dream house I want to build will make me happy. But with that dream house will come more square footage for me to clean, a bigger bill to pay, more electricity, yada, 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 yada. We, we convince ourselves sometimes that we need things and we can't find contentment just where we are. It's not bad to have things. It's not. But we need to know that we don't have contentment because of it. The peace of God doesn't come to us because of any certain person finding the perfect spouse or having the perfect job or the perfect house. That's not where contentment comes from. We have to seek that out in our relationship with God. It means my joy is not connected to what's happening in my life right now. Some of the happiest people you'll ever meet are on an oncology unit. Kids who should not be happy with big old smiles on their face. We need to realize that sometimes taking and stripping all those things away from our life actually reminds us what the valuable, most important things are. Contentment. Learn to enjoy whatever we've got right now and not waiting for something or someone to make us happy. Paul says in uh, verses 11 and 12, I've learned to be content learned, remember we talked about that, contentment's not natural, it's not a natural concept, we have to learn it, you're not by nature content, you just, just like you have to learn to be, to worry, you have to learn to live in contentment, and you should hang out with people who are content if you want to learn a hobby, if I want to get better at golf, I don't hang out with, you know, 
gosh, I don't even know, somebody who doesn't play golf, you know, if I want to be, you know, if I want to learn a certain sport, if I want to learn, a, a, you know, a certain technique with suture in the hospital, I go around people who do that skill frequently. So if you're lacking contentment, if you're lacking peace in your life, find some people who have it and then model how they have it. Model what they do in their day because that will help us to reach a place of contentment. There are several things we can do to be more content. We can stop comparing because really there's no, there's no good in that. God's story for you is not the same as God's story for someone else. The second tip for learning con contentment is to stop thinking that having more is better. That's not always true. Unless it's about bacon. <laughs> More is always better when there's bacon. The third thing is to, 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 is to learn to admire without having to acquire. I love to go to New York. But I'll be honest with you, I don't want a high-rise that I have to maintain all the plumbing for and pay the bill for and all that stuff. I love to go to the beach. But a beach house with... Hurricanes coming through and deciding whether you want to rent it or not rent it and you know all the maintenance from another state away That's not easy. So just because you acquire more things doesn't mean that it's better Sometimes it's better to admire it than acquire it Which means it's okay just to go and enjoy it for the season that you can and then let the other people deal with the stress of it Because I don't want to be you know taking care of a high-rise hotel in New York all year round 52 weeks out of the year It's a lot. It's a lot of maintenance a lot of bills but I can go and enjoy it and then come home. So we need to learn that. We need to learn that concept. We don't have to own it in order to enjoy it. These five strategies that we've talked about are very easy to explain, but they are not easy to do, and I'm not up here saying that they are. But I, I do think we want to reduce stress in our lives, and so because of that, I think we need to walk these things out. It's not easy to worry about nothing or to pray about everything. It's not easy to thank God in everything. It's not easy to think about good things all the time. And it's not easy to be content with anything. So where do we get energy to do all these things? We get it from God. It's not easy, you know, to do those things, but he gives us the ability to reduce that stress in our life because he says, if you come to me, I'll give you the power and the ability to do what will help you for what's best, whatever that concept, whatever that situation is. Paul ends uh, verse 13, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. It says, I have the strength to face anything and everything by the power that Christ gives me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, we all know that. You may even have a T-shirt with it on there or a bookmark or something. But we need to live that out. By his strength, we can live stress-free. It sounds crazy, but it's true. He wrote it. I didn't write it. My words would never last this long, but he, his words have. And he can give us the strength and the ability to do those things. Um, when Christ gives us this strength, and we can pray about everything, we can thank God, we can do all these things, it gives us the ability to be a better... It, it, it helps us bring God's kingdom into the earth. Because there's nothing, I don't know if I'm always the best advertiser for God. I don't know that he would buy, a, you know, a, buy me to be his advertiser. Because if I'm walking around stressed out and, 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 and worrying about everything, I'm not sure I'm doing anyone that sees me that's trying to find belief in a God much good. So I think we need to remember what we're portraying when we walk in stress, when we walk in 
worry constantly. Um, and, 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 you know, in closing, you know, this is, a, you know, a difficult thing to, to walk out. But in order for you to have peace with God, you have to first have peace with God. And as the, as the worship team comes back, um, I want to talk just for a moment about how we can have peace with God if we don't have that. Because that's the first stress reducer. And if you'll stand to your feet, we're going we're gonna to wrap up this, this message on stress by dealing with the one thing that I know puts you in proximity to living a stress-reduced life. We can't live a stress-free life without Christ. He's first and foremost. We, when you try to do it without Him, you're, you're doing it in vain. He is the source of peace. And so if you don't know him today and you've listened to this whole message and you've thought, Karen, I would love to do some of these things, but everything you're telling me to do to reduce all this stress in my life requires me to go to a God that I haven't even surrendered my life to. So if that's you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to offer the opportunity today for people to come into a relationship with him. There is no better way to reduce stress in your life than to find a relationship with Jesus. If you would like to come into a relationship with Christ today, if you want to reduce the stress in your life, if you want to, to, to know the Savior who can speak peace over you, who, who knows you better than anyone, just throw your hand up. It's that simple. We're going to do a prayer here in a moment. We're going to release our lives to Him and give Him control. And then I'll encourage you with this. That's a continual process to continue to release our life to Him. But if you've never made a commitment to Christ and you want to, to call Him Lord and you want to reduce stress in your life, if you want to have someone to go to with those problems that are, you know, that are bogging you down, just throw your hand up. Just throw your hand up. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. We've all been there before when our biggest stress in our life was that we did not know Jesus. When we didn't know the peace of God. I'm so excited that we're going to get to pray with this one person. We don't do this individually around here. We do it as a group. And I want you to say this out loud with me. We're going to pray. And when this prayer is over, you now have access to the Father who gives peace. Let's say this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your word. Today I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. I repent and I ask you to come into my heart to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's celebrate. I hope something I said today from God's Word will bring you peace. I hope it will be something that you go home and focus on this week to try to get better at. Because just as we learn stress, we have to learn to not be stressed. And I'm still learning that myself. So I hope that if you see me stressing out, quote these scriptures back to me. Say, Karen, but the, the Word says this. If you see someone else stressing out this week, 
give them this, not in a demeaning way, but in a way of encouragement. We all need to be reminded that the Word of God offers us the ability to live a stress-free, worry-free life. It really does. As the prayer team comes to the front and as the worship team begins to sing, we, we are creating an atmosphere right now where you can come and be prayed over. And I, and I want to offer that to you. Come on up. If you have a stress in your life, if you need someone to join and believe with you over something, that's what the prayer team is here for. That's what the staff's here for. I love you. I hope you have a great week. I hope it's a stress-free week. And I hope to see your face back here for First Wednesday. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.